The Lord Jesus had 12 original disciples, but those men were just the first of many more followers of Christ. They are an example for us to learn from and a reminder that God works in ordinary people. Are you a true follower of Jesus Christ? Let's study the 12 with Scott Pauley today and find truth that will help us all to follow more closely to Christ. It has been a fascinating thing to see the emphasis that Mark places on the inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John. Now, that does not mean that our Lord loved Peter, James, and John more than the rest. He loves all of us perfectly, but it does mean that the Lord was working in a very definite way in them so that he could then work through them. And I hope you're making this your prayer. Dear Lord, work in me and work through me. Don't let me just be a disciple. Bring me as close as I can be. Make me an inner circle disciple. I have an idea that perhaps Mark knew so much about this. Of course, he's writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he had a little insight because of his personal relationship with Simon Peter. So very likely, most Bible teachers believe that one of Mark's sources, if you will, for the information from which he drew, was the eyewitness account of Simon Peter. And so here is Peter, one of the inner circle disciples, recounting uh, to Mark, Mark writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now here we are, thousands of years removed from that, reading the great accounts in the gospel according to Mark and praying, Dear Lord, do this in our lives. Now you'll remember in Mark chapter number 3, we're first introduced to the inner circle as the three disciples that Jesus changed their names, Peter, James, and John. Then in Matthew chapter 5, we get our first glimpse of them alone with Jesus at the house of Jairus, and we see their inability. We see that the Lord was not dependent on them. They were dependent on him. It was really the first great lesson they were learning, how desperately they needed the power of God alone. Then in Mark chapter 9, we see our Lord's invitation to them to come up to the Mount of Transfiguration, And I would submit to you, not only was he transfigured there, but they were transformed there. They were changed because you can't be in the presence of God and be the same. And now we come to yet another reference to the inner circle in Mark chapter number 14. And when you come to Mark 14, we come to that holy ground, which is Christ's prayer closet, the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll remind you that Judas knew where they were because the Bible says Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. So he's going to a place that he has frequented often with these men, and I believe he had frequented often for prayer. It was, in a sense, Christ's prayer closet. And uh, the prayer closet is really God's great classroom. If you want to learn more about the Lord, if you really want to know God, if you want to capture his heart and the mind of Christ, then you must enter into the place of prayer. So in Mark chapter 14, verse 32, the Bible says, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. So he stops at the outskirts of the garden. He leaves the disciples there. But in verse 33, it says, And he taketh with him. Do you hear that repetition? That phrase, with him. 
takes us all the way back to Mark chapter 3. He taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. This is a crisis hour. This is the great conflict in the garden. In fact, these emotion words, amazed, very heavy. Uh, Do you see how the Lord is allowing them to come even nearer to his heart? It's not just further into the garden. It is nearer to his heart. I say again, if you want the heart of Christ, you find the heart of Christ in the place of prayer. That's where you capture what the Lord is thinking, what the Lord is feeling, what the Lord wants and the Lord's divine direction. But really, the Lord took this inner circle into the Garden of Gethsemane alone with him so that there he could teach them the greatest lessons yet in the matter of prayer. So in Mark 14, we really see the instruction of the inner circle. Do you remember in Luke 11, verse 1, they heard him pray on one occasion. What did they say? Lord, teach us to pray. That's the prayer that leads to more prayer, isn't it? Well, I would say to you, Mark 14 is the answer to their request. Uh, he, He taught them to pray not only through instruction but through illustration, not only by explaining it to them but by then demonstrating it to them. God teaches us to the very end, friends. Remember, this is the end of our Lord's earthly journey. He's on his way to the cross. This is this is the last stop before he goes to his mistrials and then to his crucifixion. The Bible says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. May I say, having taught his own, he taught them to the end. All the way to the end, he's teaching them. Because you never graduate from growth. And his most important instruction is connected to this matter of prayer. The great lessons are prayer lessons because they bring us to God. And then everything else grows out of that. So what do we learn about the instruction that he gave to these inner circle disciples? Well, let me give you a few introductory thoughts. Then we'll come back to the passage in our next study. First of all, we see something here about the necessity of prayer. The one thing he does on his way to the trial, the one thing he does on his way to the cross is what? Pray. Sad reality is for most of us, it's the one thing we neglect. Remember, it's the only thing we're told to do in scripture without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And only our Lord Jesus fully lived that principle, but he did it here again in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our Lord needed prayer. If the God-man, the perfect man, needed prayer, how much more do we need prayer today? But it wasn't just Christ that needed this prayer meeting. They all needed it. All of these disciples, Simon Peter, he needed this. In fact, if you read the previous verses in Mark 14, it's the interchange where Jesus said, all of you are going to be offended. All of you are going to be scandalized. That's what the word means because of me this night. He said, all of you are going to bear reproach. And uh, Simon Peter said, I won't. I'm not going to be offended. Everybody else may, but I'm not going to. You see, the Lord is teaching him that promises are not enough. Isn't this just like so much of our Christianity today? So much talk to men and not enough to God. So many promises on our side and yet so little prayer. So we see the necessity of prayer. Then we see the place of prayer. Again, I point out to you, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. It's a definite place, a place where Jesus often prayed. It was a quiet place because gardens like this were places of silence and solitude. It was a place to bring every pressure into God's presence. That's actually what the name Gethsemane means. It literally means oil press. And the place where 
these, this fruit was bruised and crushed and trodden under feet. In that place, the Lord brings his own bruising, his own crushing, uh, his own pressure. He brings it to the Father. Oh, isn't this glorious? God always makes a way in the place of prayer. And you may say, well, I pray all the time. Good, pray all the time. But if you don't pray sometime, I doubt you pray all the time. And if you don't play, pray someplace, I doubt you pray in every place. So set aside a time and a place to pray and meet with God. And then notice not only the necessity of prayer and the place of prayer, but notice the great humility of prayer. The Bible says in verse 34, He saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed. Do you see his posture? Low before the Lord. Do you see his words, desperate words? You can tell a lot about a man by where he goes when he's broken. And in his sorrow and in his great need, he humbles himself in the presence of the Heavenly Father. Oh, friends, if Peter, James, and John had much to learn about prayer, I certainly do, and so do you. Let's do this today. Let's join Christ here in the garden in Mark 14. Let's say with the other inner circle disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Thank you for joining us today as we looked into God's Word. It is our prayer that you will follow Christ and lead others to Him. Our world is desperate for truth and hope. Scott Pauley has written a new booklet on the need of our nation that addresses what believers can and should be doing at this time. Order your copy now at enjoyingthejourney.org. We'd love to hear from you and look forward to studying with you again next time on Enjoying the Journey.